Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. For those of you taking notes, the title of my message today is Inspo. Inspo. I just need a little inspo. Uh, my wife's, one of my wife's brothers lives in town, and uh, one of the cool things about that is that uh, we get to hang out, our kids get to hang out with his kids, and sometimes we get a chance to watch their kids. This is all of our kids together um, uh, on Easter, and uh, we do Easter shirtless. I don't know how you guys do it. Um, that's how we do it. And this is them doing an Easter egg hunt, and Cohen was very confident about how many uh, eggs he was going to find. He had a whole Home Depot bucket. I'm like, what do you think? What kind of budget do you think we're working with here? Um, and so this is them sort of hanging out. But one of the things uh, when we get a chance to uh, hang out with them, and specifically they utilize us for date nights, and I would if I were them too. Their kids you can see are a little bit younger. And when their kids hang out with us, maybe you have this too, those of you that are maybe even grandparents now, where you're around little kids and you have flashbacks to things that your kids did that you'd almost forgotten about, and they're so annoying that you're glad you forgot about them because... <laughs> It's so frustrating. And one of, the, one of those things is that they're just, the breaking point for little kids is just, is so, it, it comes so quick. It comes so soon. And there are these moments where everything's great, and then you, we ask one of these kids to do something that seems like a simple task. Like, hey, real quick, real quick, could you just grab the, I know you're doing something, could you grab those shoes and just put them right there? It's literally like a six-foot walk. Just grab them there and put them there. And they're just like, uh uh-uh. And you're like, okay, just, it's real, and it's going to take two seconds. Just grab those shoes right there and put them over there. And then they just snap, right? They just freak out and fall on the ground. They're like, ah, and just screaming and freaking out and crying. And it's this simple, easy thing. And like, as you're watching it unfold, you're like, why is this the thing that you cannot muster the strength to accomplish in your life right now? It just seems insane. And really, when they're screaming, I can't, what we know they're actually saying is, I just don't want to in this moment. The thought of like facing this one thing just completely overwhelms them. And to me, when I watch this, it doesn't even make me mad. It just seems hilarious because they're not my children, right? When they're your kids, it's frustrating. And when, you know, they're somebody else's kids, you're like, this is hilarious. I can't wait to send them home. And, um, and we do. But I, the reason I bring this up is because I don't think this is just a kid problem. I think it's just a people problem. The, the issue of hitting a wall with something and just sort of, Snapping, like hitting something that sort of shuts you down to where you just feel like I can't move on, I can't go any further, I'm stuck right where I am. And I think as grown-ups, just because we grow up doesn't mean we grow out of this thing that happens to us. I think as, as we get older, we just get a little bit better at masking our tantrums, and instead of aggressively representing our frustration, we, we passive-aggressively do it, which is super fun for those around us. And you've seen this before. You've seen sort of the adult version of these tantrums of when people hit a wall with something where, you know, grown-ups complain about that, you know, they just, I can't adult today. I just can't do it, you know. I can't, and it's usually something simple. It's like, just feed your children. I mean, that's really all we're asking you to do if you could just do that. People quitting jobs, you know, because they're expected to do something unreasonable like, you know, work. 
uh, or take direction or produce tangible results, unreasonable stuff that you can't be expected to do to get paid for. People saying they just can't, you know, I just can't with certain things because it's a trigger, you know. Uh, we've all seen all this sort of stuff happen. And I'm sure that you could think of a million examples of what other people do uh, that you think is ridiculous, that they can't handle that particular thing. And the reason that the thing that they're facing seems ridiculous is just because it's not your thing. Right? Everybody else's thing seems stupid. Your thing is valid, though. Your thing is, is a big deal. And you do this, too. We all do. Right? You have things that you don't want to talk about. You have things that you don't want to face. You have things that you do not want to see a post on. You have things that you do not want to be challenged by. We all do. And what we're talking about in all of these instances is a lack of resilience. And I'm going to just define this right out the gate week one. Resilience is essentially three things. It's the ability to withstand and recover from difficulty, which is durability. It's the capacity to be strengthened, uh, to be stretched and challenged, which is flexibility. And the third thing is it's the willingness to evolve and adjust to new situations, which is adaptability. So to summarize, resilience is essentially durability, flexibility, and adaptability. And we all need a certain measure of resilience in our lives for a couple different categories. The first being the, the hard things that are thrown at you, right? We all have things that we have to face that we didn't choose. In fact, we're like, I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna face this. I don't wanna talk about this. I don't wanna have to go through this, but we do. We, we have things like you know a difficult boss that we're put at work with or a frightening diagnosis or a financial difficulty that comes our way or relational uncertainty that somebody else introduces that we don't wanna to have to face. And we need a measure of resilience to actually face these situations. And then there's the second category, which is the hard things you choose to do. And we all have some of these things in our life, right? Like we wanna learn a new skill or we wanna lose weight or we wanna pursue a dream or we feel the need to draw a particular boundary that we know is gonna be difficult, but we still think it's the right thing to do. And in both of these categories, resilience is the thing that enables us to actually weather the difficulty, to actually move forward when we just sort of wanna give up. And I think when we're faced with a situation, regardless of what category it's in, um, we, we think to ourselves, at least at first, like, you know what, it's gonna be difficult, but I can, I can do this. I just need to find the right inspiration. I just need to track down the right inspo. And you know you've done this, right? Like, so you find yourself like, this is what I wanna do, I feel like I can't do it, but I need to find some inspiration to really like get the juices flowing and make me believe that I can do it. And so we, we hunt for quotes to tape to our bathroom mirror or post on our Facebook wall, and we track down emotional YouTube videos that get like, I can do it, right? And we're just, we get excited, and we create like four or five playlists that really get us going, and then we follow like 17 accounts with before and after pictures, and we look at them, you know, like religiously, and we tell ourselves, you got this, queen, you know what I mean? That's what I do, <laughs> and we just like try and fire ourselves up, and we, we visualize ourselves like, humbly accepting compliments for accomplishing that thing that we haven't even started, you know, yet. <laughs> you ever do that where you're just like, oh, how did I do it? Well, I mean, I just, I just got out there and I just kept going, you know, is what I did. 
And uh, it's really embarrassing when your wife catches you doing that in the mirror, and she's like, what are you doing? You haven't even started that yet. I'm like, I know, but eventually people are going to want to know how I did it. <laughs> and we gather all this inspiration, right? And we get so excited, and we're, we're so fired up that we find ourselves uh, doing nothing. Like we just gather the inspiration, and then that's, that's, that's sort of it. Because everybody knows you can't start on a Tuesday. That doesn't make any sense, Right? That's impossible. And, you know, I think the reality for us is most of us, we are, if we're honest with ourselves, we're drowning in oceans of inspiration for things we haven't started. And honestly, we're not even sure that we'll ever do. And even though this is true, we still find ourselves searching for that one piece of online inspiration that's going to push us over the edge so that we can get going. I mean, this is not who we want to be. And for some of us, we rebel against the fact that we tend to be this way or we know that a lot of people are this way and we're like, I'm just going to start, okay? I'm just going to go. And so we, we go out full bore. We wade out full force into whatever the thing is that we're determined to do. And like we come out so hot out of the gate that we quickly realize this is way harder than I thought. And it is way more painful. And, uh, you know, after 30 minutes, I'm realizing this is going to take longer than I want it to to accomplish this goal, which is deflating. And, and at this point, when we realize these things, the difficulty level that we're actually facing, most of us tend to respond in one of two ways. We either at that moment abandon and avoid, or we deny and double down. And here's what I mean by that. Like we, we, may, we may hit the thing where we're like, you know what, I just, I can't do this. I can't do, you know, it's just, I, I quit. It's not the right time for me. You know, I'm just not, I'm not cut out for it. And also, I don't want to talk about it. So you are all unfollowed, okay? And uh, don't ask me questions about it, even though I told everyone I was going to do it, made a big deal about it. Like, I don't want to talk about it, and I'm going to ignore all of your text messages when you try and follow up with me, okay? Because I am, I'm basically just doing the opposite of what I told everyone I was going to do, and I don't want to talk about it, okay? I'm avoiding it because I've abandoned that goal because it's just too tough. Or the second thing we do is like the exact opposite, right? We deny and double down. We're like, nothing's gonna stop me from achieving this goal, including death and imprisonment, okay? I'm just gonna forge ahead. I'm gonna ignore the fact that I just dislocated my knee, I haven't slept in five days, and several people have tried to put together an intervention for me right now, because I'm doing this, okay? I'm willing to get unhealthy in my pursuit of health. And people are like, wait, what? That doesn't even make any sense. And yet, we're forging ahead. And I think the reason that we do this, that we, we gravitate towards one of these two extremes, is that we become aware that there is this gap between where we are and where we want to be, and we want to sort of close that gap as quickly as we possibly can. But the reality of it is, the obstacle is too big to immediately overcome with our current capacity, and we don't like that because we want to deal with it now. We want to address it now. We want to be over it now. We want to close the gap immediately. And that's the solution we're looking for. And so what we do is we find ourselves in this sort of self-defeating loop. And you have been in this place. And maybe just take a picture of this. And then when somebody is doing this in your life, probably tomorrow, you can just be like, we talked about this. This is you right now. Okay, you're, on, you're, about, you're moving from five to six. I can see it in your eyes. 
right? We start off by realizing like, oh man, there's this thing I got to address. And then we, we set this audacious goal that's probably impossible to actually achieve in the time limits that we want to. And then we gather a ton of inspiration and we psych ourselves up and then we come out really hot and then we overexert and overextend ourselves and then we burn out and we break down and we see very little, if any, progress and then we give up and we spin out and we usually do the opposite of the thing that we originally set out to do and then we find ourselves depressed and then we start over and we're like, you know what, I really do need to tackle this thing. And then we start the loop over again. And for some of you, you're like, that, this is the last 32 years of my life, for serious. I just keep going around. And some of you are like, well, like, I think you made a mistake because the arrows are going counterclockwise. And that's because this is counter to actually moving forward in your life. You're just moving backwards. It, it, is, it is counterclockwise. It's not working for us. And this is the question I think we've got to ask at the get-go of this series is like, so if this doesn't work, and this is what a lot of us tend to do, then what does work? What should we be doing instead? Like, is there a better way to base our resilience on, to, to move forward with the things that we're facing? And I think that there is. And I want to address this question by looking at a story in the Old Testament. We're going to kind of follow this, this story, which you know, arcs over several different chapters in the Old Testament in the book of Judges, and we're going to look at it all four weeks of this series because I think there's some interesting things that we can draw out that tell us a lot about maybe a better way to do things. And this story is, at least it begins in the book of Judges, chapter 6, um, starting in verse 2, and we're just going to read it and just make some observations. It says this, <clears throat> that the, the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites were living in hiding in the mountains. And when the Israelites planted crops, marauders from uh, Midian would attack and destroy everything. The enemy hordes were as thick as locusts, too numerous to count. They stripped the land bare, reducing Israel to starvation. And it was then that the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now, this is the thing I think is interesting right off the bat, that you know, it's after they, if things are as bad as they could possibly get, and they have exhausted every other option that they're like, you know what we should do, guys? I don't want to come off too spiritual. I feel like we should reach out to the Lord for help. Since we've literally done everything else we can imaginably do. And when I read that, I'm like, oh, so just like the rest of us. So that's like, they're no more spiritual than the rest of us, right? Instead of actually going to God first, as our first response, usually God is our last resort. And oftentimes, this is why we fumble and stumble a lot unnecessarily with the things that we're facing. And this is essentially God's plan. Judges chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide from the Midianites. And the Lord appeared and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Gideon's like, first off, don't come at me with all this mighty hero stuff, okay? We both know I am not a mighty hero, right? Which is evidenced actually by the fact that he is hiding at the bottom of a wine press to avoid the people that God is like, you should go fight them, Right? mighty hero, and he's like, I'm in hiding and camouflage, trying to be as quiet as I possibly can. 
I see what you're doing, okay? You're I know what, I'm not going to fall for it, okay? You're trying to butter me up so you can get me to do something for you, all right? And I know this because my wife does this to me all the time, okay? Where she's like, you sexy man. You're like, we both know I've been sexy in like 10 years, okay? What is it that you want me to do? Is you got to carry something? What is it, Okay? And Gideon is like, I, I don't, I'm not buying it. Also, the Lord is with us because it doesn't feel like it. Nothing in my life is happening the way I wanted it to. And the reason why Gideon pushes back with this is that in his mind, if God really loved me, only good things would happen to me. And I wonder if you fall into this, this same sort of trap. And here's what I want you to know. Nowhere in scripture does it say this. That's not a biblical thought. It's a wish. It's not something that God says, you can count on this. It's us being like, I wish it was this way, but that's not actually the way that the world works. In fact, Jesus actually tells us to count on, to plan for heightened difficulty in our lives, especially when we're trying hard to do what's right. This may shock you, but like sometimes God even allows opposition to remain in our lives to teach us how to do what's right. And we really hate that. In fact, this is what it says just a, a couple chapters earlier in this, this same exact book. Listen to this. Judges chapter three, verse one. It says, referring to the Midianites, these are the people the Lord left in the land to test and teach generations of Israelites who had no experience with opposition and see whether they would obey the commands the Lord had given them. Interesting. But he's like, God, why would this happen? Why, what, what's going on right now? Like, he's so frustrated because if God loved me, then everything would go and be the way I want it to be. But I just want to ask you, like, to think about things maybe in an alternative way, maybe a more theologically accurate way. What if God is way more concerned with crafting your character than keeping you comfortable? What if everything God leaves in your life exists to help you grow in some way? And if that's true, what lesson might the thing you like least in your life right now have the power to help you learn? Because unfortunately, certain lessons can only be learned experientially. And God gets this. I wonder if that thing in your life that you hate so much isn't gonna go away until you've learned the lesson, it's there to teach you. Because that certainly seems to be part of the moral of this story. It says in, back in chapter 6, verse 15, Gideon pushes back. He's like, but Lord, Gideon said, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe, and I'm the least in my entire family. And the Lord said, go with the strength you have. So what's happening here is what happens to all of us, right? Gideon is aware of the gap between where his people are and where they want to be, and he wants to close it quickly. And he's looking at the obstacle and understands that it's way too big to immediately overcome with his current capacity. And so his impulse in the moment, before he even gets started, is to quit and avoid. But God's advice is, Go with the strength you have. And Gideon's like, 
We already covered this. I have very little strength. And he's like, right, just use that and begin. In other words, God is saying, start small, use what you have, do what you can, celebrate any progress, no matter how small along the way, and embrace the fact that this is a process. And this is what Gideon does. The very next thing that he does is that he goes and he makes a really small sacrifice to honor God and then sees what God is going to do with it. God is like, this is where I'm going to take you. This is what we're going to do. And he's like, I can't do that. And he's like, just go with the strength that you have. Just start right where you are. And so Gideon's like, okay, what can I do? I can make this one small sacrifice in the direction that you're calling me to go. And I love that. And it makes me wonder, like, what small sacrifice might God be asking you to make right now just to get going? And whatever it is he's asking of you or calling you to do. Like, maybe you want to see your, your whole family come to faith. You're like, man, that, that's my dream. That's what I would love to see. Maybe start by just taking, like, one invite card for the series and praying over it and handing it to someone. It doesn't even have to be someone in your family. But just get used to actually inviting people to come along for the journey and then be kind to that person. That's a small sacrifice in the right direction. Maybe you're like, I need to get in shape. Nothing big. I just need to learn, lose like 90 pounds, okay? <laughs> and uh, maybe like a start for you is just like maybe take a walk around the block every evening after dinner, right? Just one act in the right direction consistently over time. Maybe you want to be more generous. Maybe start by just giving $5 a week. And I know there's a voice in your head that's just like, but that's not 10%. You're right. You're good at math. Good job. <laughs> but it's a single step. It's a small sacrifice in the right direction. Maybe you want to make more friends. Maybe just like, like start by showing up like 10 minutes early to service and having a three-minute conversation with somebody you don't know very well thus far. I know you're like, well, that's not going to give me a new best friend by Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. But it's a step in the right direction. And if you can consistently practice this small sacrificial step, if you learn to trust yourself and trust God every step of the way, it leads somewhere great. I think a lot of times our impulse is to take these really giant leaps. But all through Scripture, God leads us through a series of really small steps. I think so much, uh, so many times we, we overestimate what we should be able to accomplish right now and underestimate what God is wanting to do a, in, through us as we follow him on the journey of our life over the next several years or decades. A lot of times we actually have the same vision as God for our future. Our timeline's just off. Because we want everything now. And God's advice to people is always like, listen, don't worry about all that. Just take the next step on this journey. In Proverbs 16, verse 9, the wisdom writer says this, people do their best making plans for their lives, but the Lord guides each step. In other words, like God is guiding like one foot in front of the other. And we're like, yeah, yeah, but I have these big, big plans. And he's like, yeah, I know. But it's gonna happen step by step 
by step. And Gideon, after he takes this first small step, God gives him a slightly bigger next step with slightly higher stakes in Judges chapter 6. And God gives him this thing to do, and it's really intimidating to him, but he decides to, to follow through. It says in verse 27, So Gideon did as the Lord commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of what others would think. You've never done this, right? You did the thing that God told you to do, but you did it in secret so no one would know because you were afraid of what other people were going to think. That's biblical, okay? A lot of people do this because we're afraid, right? We're like, I'm not even sure if I should be doing this. I know God told me to, but what if other people get mad? And here's the crazy thing about this. Gideon's intuition was right because others were not as excited about his so-called spiritual growth as he was because they didn't appreciate how it impacted and inconvenienced them. And so they lash out. And Gideon is standing on the other side of being obedient, actually sticking with the plan that God gave him, but still feeling guilty for doing the right thing. I wonder if you've been in this place before. Like he's just like, now everyone's mad at me. He starts second guessing his decision. And I think this is where a lot of us actually end up giving up. Because we want to believe, like, if you are doing what God asks you to do, everyone around you will support you. And that is not remotely true. I don't know where you got that. Not from the Bible. It's not in here. The reality is, anytime you disrupt the status quo, positively or negatively, you're going to experience opposition. Because that's the way it works. If you need everyone to affirm you, to follow through on what you're called to do, you will never do much of anything. Because that is an unrealistic expectation. The reality of it is, even good people push back when you step out and try and do what's right. Why? Why would good people who also love God and want what's best for you push back when you're trying to do the right thing? Because change is hard, even when it's good. Like sometimes we push back against change that people are making that we know is good for us. And even as it's happening, we're like, I kind of want this to happen and I'm angry, and don't want you to do it, but you should. Because life is complicated, because change is hard, and we fight it. But here's the good news that I think we see in this story, that I think is true about your story too. When you do what God asks you to, he puts the right people around you to help you see it through. And oftentimes, they show up in unexpected ways from unexpected places. This is what happens for Gideon in, in verses 31 and 32. Like out of nowhere, all these people are like come around and they're just like, we hate what you did. And he's like, God told me to. And they're like, we don't care. We don't like it. Um, in fact, we, we think that, that God wants us to kill you. Um, that's what we'd like to do. And you know who speaks up for him? His dad, which surprises him. His dad that sort of felt like he never really supported him, his dad speaks up and defends him. And Gideon has this epiphany in this moment. He sort of realizes that his tangible actions, his small steps of obedience are actually surfacing supporters from unexpected places. 
And it starts shifting in his mind what he thinks is possible. He's like, wait a minute, maybe I can do this. Maybe other people really do care about this. Maybe they will come out and support me and help me move forward. And people do. They start showing up. In fact, so many people start showing up that it scares him. And then he's like, now what have I done, right? Now that I've onboarded all these people, what if it doesn't work? What if I can't do it? Now that I got them, I was like, nobody's going to believe in me. And now that they believe in me, what if they shouldn't be believing in me? And he panics. He's like, what if God isn't with me? And this uncertainty that he has in this moment, as he starts to get going, he starts becoming afraid of his success, this uncertainty drives him back to God. And that is what uncertainty is actually designed to do, like drive you back to God. And so Gideon drops to his knees once again, and he prays this really quirky prayer in verse 36 of Judges 6. He says, then Gideon says to God, if you're truly gonna use me to rescue Israel, prove it. I'll put a fleece on the threshing floor tonight, and if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning but the ground is dry, then I'll know. And I just wanna acknowledge, this is a very weird request, okay? And I think sometimes we hear these like weird, quirky things in the Old Testament, and we get lost in the details, and we miss the, the point or the principle below the surface. And this is what I want you to see from this. I think the point that is being made here is it's not wrong to confess your insecurity to God, to admit that you are afraid of what's next, to admit that you're nervous to take a next step. It's okay to ask God to remind you that he is with you. Like God is like, how dare you? I have been here the whole time for you and yet you question me. Like God has no problem letting you know that he is with you. In fact, I would say if you never ask God to remind you that he's with you, you've probably veered off course. If you've just assumed that you're probably doing everything right without checking in with God, you're probably not doing everything right. And God gives Gideon a sign of his presence. And I would say that God will give you a sign of his presence when you reach out to him too. But I would warn you, it's not always the sign you want or the one that you're asking for. Usually God is like, absolutely, I'll let you know I'm with you. I'm not going to do it in this way. I'm going to do it in this way. You're like, well, I don't want to know in that way. I would like to know in this way. And he's like, you get to ask for the sign. I get to choose the sign. (laughs) This is how this works. What about Gideon? I liked the fleece idea. Your idea sucks, okay? (laughs) That one I thought was cool. I did that one. But, you know, I like to switch it up. And... At this point in the story, Gideon, sort of being affirmed by God, takes an even bigger step. He begins to gather these troops for this fight that God has called him to. But even then, he doesn't even go to battle. He's still in preparation mode. And you'll see as we dive deeper into this story in the weeks to come, he gathers troops, then he sifts the troops then he designs a plan, then he tells people the plan, then they don't like the plan, then he gets more insecure, then he wrestles with God, then God confirms more, then he takes another step, and then he gets more insecure, then he takes another step in the face of his fear. And this is just sort of the wrestling process that happens. In other words, he walks with God. That's what it looks like. This sort of stumbling forward in faith. This is how it works. A faith walk is this step-by-step relational process that compounds over time. God doesn't want to sort of 
get you from here to there without the process in between. Because the part that God knows you need and the part he wants to relationally experience with you is the walk between A and B. That's where the good stuff unfolds. That's where you become who you're meant to be. Here's another way to say it. Resilience is the result of channeling your passion and purpose into a regular uh, practice. And we all have these moments where we get passionate and inspired by this thing we want to do. And we can see purpose in it. We're like, if I'm able to accomplish this, that'll be good for these particular reasons. Why isn't the passion enough? Why isn't the inspiration enough? Why isn't the determination enough? Because we haven't coupled it with a regular practice of one foot in front of the other. Something that strengthens us slowly over time. And in Gideon's story, as you read it, as quirky as it is, what ends up happening is every small step of faith makes him stronger and empowers him to see that he actually is a mighty hero. That even though he feels weak, and honestly, he was weak, that step by step, rep after rep, practice after practice, he becomes a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger every single step of the way. And these small steps become evidence to him that he actually is a mighty warrior and a mighty hero before he actually steps on a battlefield and does anything mighty or heroic. He assumes in his mind, I've got to be a warrior because I'm doing daily what warriors do. And it begins to change the way he sees himself because he's putting in the work, he's putting in the practice. And we don't like that. This is our preferred path. We would rather go from heightened inspiration to a bold declaration to a big action to successful completion all within 24 hours. <laughs> and if not, then I guess I wasn't meant to do it. I guess I can't trust you, God. But God seems to prefer to do big things through slow, small steps. Remind yourself of this. One Old Testament prophet says it this way. Zechariah chapter 4, he says, uh, verse 10, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. In other words, don't underestimate small, step-by-step, steady practices. God is just excited, excited that you are getting started on the journey that he knows is going to take a long time. God is not discouraged that you're only going a step at a time. That's the way he thought it was going to happen from the beginning. It was you who was confused about the process. Like maybe you don't need more, better, and different inspiration. Maybe you just need to focus on the next right step on the journey God has you on. Maybe the, the size and the shape of your vision isn't really the issue. Maybe it's your all or nothing approach and your expectation of overnight success that's actually sabotaging you. I love that all throughout the New Testament, Jesus says to people, come and follow me. It's like right from the get-go, from his initiation of a relationship with people, it's like he's setting the expectation that it's gonna be a step-by-step -step journey. But what we imagine or sort of wish that he would have said was, come, teleport with me. 
right? If you stick with me, you should be able to do everything you want to be doing the way you want to do it and become the person you want to be by the end of the business day tomorrow. That's not a promise that he has ever made. In fact, the better, more biblical path is to start small, slowly stretch your limits, and stick with it. Because resilience comes from slowly stretching your capacity of whatever causes you to crumble. It's taking that thing that you're scared of, that you're afraid you're never going to be able to do, and it's exposing yourself to it little by little and building evidence that God has actually been with you the whole time. It's watching your strength grow. It's taking baby steps like Gideon with low stakes and watching as your strength snowballs and your confidence compounds and your skills scale. Because the thing that you could probably guess is true, I just want to affirm to you this morning, inspiration and determination without incremental action is ineffective. It doesn't work. And that's why my challenge to you in whatever area it is that you are facing is just to try this over this next week, to initiate this action, to write down a small action, a single thing that will gradually strengthen an area of weakness that you know God wants to be stronger and just repeat it regularly to step-by-step follow. Or you could not do this challenge and you could just hold out for that new piece of inspo that's gonna miraculously put you into the zone where you can just do everything tomorrow. But let's be honest, you've been doing that for years and you're still chubby. (laughs) You're still angry. You still don't have any more patience. You're not any closer to God. You're not any more generous than you used to be because you're waiting for this magical thing that's gonna give you enough inspiration and determination to flip a switch, to turn you and you, to you who you wanna be magically. And you're asking God to help you. And I think what God wants you to know is like he doesn't do magic tricks. He does miracles. And a miracle is step-by-step moving in God's direction and watching as he supernaturally empowers you to become someone like these steps don't add up to the strength that I've gotten but if I didn't take them God doesn't give me the thing that I'm looking for because God wants to partner with you in the process of building your own resilience and it happens one small step at a time so give yourself a break exit the loop and begin to start small and steady and stretch your capacity. Would you bow your heads across this room? I just want to pray that God would empower you to do this today. God, we are grateful for your wisdom, for your ability to show us how best to live. God, you don't just put desires in our hearts. You give us a path to actually get to see those desires come to fruition. And God, I pray that you would reframe for us what it means to actually move forward with the goals and dreams that you've placed deep inside of our hearts and minds. God, some of us, they have to do with things that were thrown at us. Others of us, they have to do with things 
that we signed up for, but we're struggling just the same. And God, instead of wanting it all to be done tomorrow, I pray that instead of uh, uh, avoiding and abandoning or, or denying and doubling down, I pray that you would empower us to follow you step by step as you grow our capacity, as you stretch us in your direction, and as you make us into the people that you've always wanted us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.